Hey, what's up, everyone? It's your host, Sylvie Dewey from the Secrets from the Saddle All Things Cycling Podcast. And, geesh, can you imagine? January is almost over and February is here. I have this sinking feeling that this year is absolutely going to fly by based on what's gone on already. Do you feel the same or what? So... This is pretty exciting leading into February, which is going to lead into our big celebration for our 200th episode, which is going to be on March 11th. I'm so excited. I cannot believe it. But here's the thing. We have decided or I have decided to. There's no we here, actually. I have decided to giveaways every week. So we're going to be giving away a prize to a lucky listener on Friday. And what I've done is I've actually partnered with some of my guests that have been on the podcast who have either physical products or um, sell other wholesale products on their store. And we've collaborated and we're going to be doing a little exchange just to get more of you guys actually looking at them and just giving out some really cool cycling gear. So I hope you're super excited about that because I am. Um, So here's the thing. This is how you can win. First, you need to go stop and go to Apple podcast and write a review. So that's number one. Number two, while you're there, leave a five-star rating and then follow the podcast on social media, on um, Instagram. But here's the thing. When you go to write your review, please put down your Instagram handle because I did challenges before where I was giving away prizes for reviews and some people put these names down that I could never find them anywhere. So if you want to be found for a giveaway, then please make sure you write your Instagram handle as part of your review. Thank you. So then I can find you. Now, that being said, I have two grand prizes that are going to happen on the 20th episode day. Now, the first one is going to be given out to one of the winners of our weekly draws. The next one, I'm going to go into everybody who's put in their reviews, and I want to thank you in advance, and I'm going to pull a winner from there. And so that's how it's going to work. So make sure you follow the podcast because I'm going to be talking about this a lot. And that's where I'm going to put all the posting for the winners. Next, remember, a review and rating. You have to be have all three of those things done to be um, recognized for the draw. So with that, I hope you have an amazing day. And I just want to give you a little heads up. If you went in and got some of my free downloads before, I put a new cycling snacks um, PDF in there to try for some different things for your training and your riding. So with that, have an amazing day. You be amazing. And I'll see you in the podcast. Enjoy the next episode. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. 
I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, All Things Cycling Podcast with your host, Sylvie Daou, sitting here in Chelsea, Quebec, Canada. And we've got Matt Acker, who is in, are you in Michigan? I am. All right, he's in Michigan, and he's going to tell us about the very um, popular Barry Roubaix that's been around for a long time. He is going to give him a little bit of a background on himself and how he came about acquiring the the event and a little bit of the background of the event. Welcome, Matt, to the podcast. Hey, Sylvie. Thanks for having me again. Okay. <laughs> thanks for being, thanks for doing this. This is like a treat, and um, I'm really, really blessed that uh, this happened to be happened to be you. Oh my gosh! So tell us about the event. Yeah, so Barrier Bay is a bicycle race here in Michigan. Um, nowadays, people would refer to it specifically as gravel, but uh, when it started out in 2009, you know, I think gravel wasn't such a buzzword. And frankly, there you know, weren't gravel-specific bikes. Uh, a lot of people, if they had the luxury of it, they would actually ride a cyclocross bike. And the majority of riders would use a mountain bike. And very few would ride a road bike, which still does occur out on the course. Um, but it really started out as um, the founder, Rick Plight, and his wife, Kathy. Uh, they had friends down, and uh, the name alludes to the races in Barrie County. So the Barrie Roubaix, that's where it gets its name. Um, it's kind of, you know, a play on words with the Spring Classic in France. And it's around the same time of year. It's been traditionally hosted in March or early April. Uh, we flex that based on um, the Easter holiday. And then, of course, in the States, we have the spring break period for uh, grade school kids. So we try to work around those. That way, you know, parents, families, they can all attend. But it, it really started out as kind of almost intended as a group ride to highlight some of these amazing back roads in Barrie County. It's a very scenic, lower populated area here in Michigan. And if you're familiar with the area of lower Michigan, there's uh, we're in the city of Grand Rapids, which is one of the larger cities in Michigan. And Barry County and Barry Roubaix, which is in Hastings, Michigan, is just south of here about 40 minutes. So um, not far from a big population center, but it's got a, it's got a small town feel there in Hastings. I want to say the population is around 7,000 people there. Uh, and the, the metro Grand Rapids area is close to a million. So um, quite a bit different feel. But that, it started out as that. Uh, there was a, basically a 100K and a 50K distance. And um, the, the 100K was just two loops of the 50K loop. It started from a small outdoor center um, in the state. We have a lot of state land down that way. So it's used for hunting, um, yeah, any types of recreating. So it's a beautiful area. And there's, for Michigan standards, there's quite a bit of, of elevation change around 
50 meters at a time, a lot of sharp, steep rolling hills. Uh, they kind of punctuate the course. And as time went on, people just really enjoyed this ride. After the first couple of years, uh, we were up to several hundred, closing in on a thousand riders that wanted to attend. And it was hosted out of a small state park and it was still just Rick and his wife, Kathy, primarily with a host of their friends that helped out as volunteers. And I actually uh, started out racing it back then around 2011, 2012, um, as did my wife, uh, Jenny, who's involved in the event too. And as time wore on, um, I actually left a career working in engineering in 2017 to, we just decided to take some time off, do some traveling. And it was just serendipitous that uh, Rick and his wife, Kathy, by that point had joined up with our other partners, the 10 Kates, Scott and Marnie. And Rick and Kathy decided that, you know, now with the event being one of the world's largest and them wanting to travel more and just be a little bit more relaxed that they uh, were looking to retire. And, um, they didn't want to sell the event to say like an outside corporation or another group of individuals. They really wanted it to stay local and kind of true to their vision of it. And that's where my wife, Jenny and I entered. Um, we were on sabbatical and, and um, I was primarily riding full-time if you will. And it's just something that fit our lifestyles and, and we get along well with everyone in the 10 Kates. And so, uh, now it's the four of us, me, my wife, Jenny, uh, and Scott and Marnie Tenkate, who are the event owners. Wow. So you say it's the largest. How many people do you take in this event? So this year, our cap is 4,000. Um, what? 4,000? Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. And our, our current registration is, um, we're just shy of 3,600 riders right now. So we do anticipate it to sell out in the coming weeks. Uh, usually what happens is you, you'll get the big rush of riders, like 2,500 to 3,000 sign up. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. you know, people, it, it is a March, we're in late March this year. It's March 26th. So the weather here in Michigan, uh, right now it's uh, just over zero Celsius. Um, there's snow on the ground. It's hard freeze. And it could be like that in March, or it could be 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, I, okay. I forget what that would be in Celsius, but uh, it sounds warmer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, oh, so it's one uh, of those. It's either it could be really gorgeous or really yes. nasty. Right. Yes. And it's, uh, it's particularly interesting this year because uh, in 2020 with the pandemic, we were actually only three weeks from hosting the event when we had to cancel oh. um, no. due to statewide lockdown. So it was like this total uprooting. And at the time, you know, everybody thought that this was going to be like an inconvenience of a couple of weeks or maybe a month. Yeah. So we moved to the fall of 2020, and then we had to fully cancel the event for 2020. Fast forward to 2021, we decided we'll not play that game. Let's just plan on the fall and fingers crossed. And we were able to host uh, the event in the fall of, of 2021. Right. But frankly, we, we spoiled a lot of the riders because it was an October 10th. Oh, had, gorgeous time of the year. Yes. Yeah. And, and everybody has their fitness too. You know, they've been racing yeah, all yeah. summer. So they're fit, they're excited. Um, and so red it really was and yellows. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful out. It was uh, around 70 Fahrenheit. Um, 
moderate winds, really just the best conditions I'd say we've ever had. Good roads, really fast. Uh, the 100K race, which is our signature fast distance, the riders, uh, they did it in just over two and a half hours. So um, insanely fast. I mean, we'll have a couple world tour pros that come out. And yeah. so it's, uh, it's quite a thing to, to behold. So how do you get 4,000 people on the start line? Do you, do you stagger the start? Do you stagger yeah, so, the times or? So the, a little more background. So we have four distances. Um, okay. So we've expanded from the original 50K, 100K, which uh, mm -hmm. about 36 miles, 62. We still have those two distances but we've added an 18 mile for, you know, not just beginners, but people looking for that type of short event that they right. don't want to be out there for several hours. And we also mm -hmm. added a hundred mile several years ago. Okay. And that was one of the things when I came on board to help Rick and, and Tenor and Barney and Kathy out at the time, I had uh, developed a hundred mile course and okay. helped them run that. So the way it is today is that uh, the hundred mile we keep capped at a smaller number at four hundred people. Okay. And that one um, is unmarked, so it's a GPS navigation kind of more more adventure driven. It uses a lot of really rough seasonal tracks that are they can okay. be deep sand, they can be full of water, uh, you name it. And it has around seven thousand feet of vertical gain over the course of that. So you know, roughly 2,500 meters of, of climbing throughout that course. And that one is, you know, build more towards adventure. We do not do cash prizes. We do uh, uh, overall podiums. And then our 62 is, is kind of the signature fast race. And mm -hmm. the 62, the 36 and the 18 are all fully marked. Um, essentially every corner is manned with either police or volunteers. So it's fully, you know, when you get to a turn, there may be up to three or four people there directing you, um, aiding with traffic. We actually shut down a couple of local highways for periods of time to get the riders through. Oh, wow. So those, those events all are fully uh, marshaled at probably more than what you would even see in any type of a modern road race. Yeah, really. <laughs> so there's a lot of resources. We have, we'll have around 50 police officers and 300 volunteers on course. So there's, uh, yeah, and there's, there's aid stations. So it's, it's pretty well managed. Um, but with all those distances, we, we do staggered times, like hundred goes off at 7 a.m. And then we wait until 10 a.m. for our 62. And we also break them into waves. So we, we allow riders this year to sell seed based on, you know, what their expected finish time is or level of fitness. And that has turned out really well this year for us. In the past, we would we would assign it based on age group, but as we all know, there's individuals in their in their 20s that have been out slacking and maybe going to the bars too much, so they're they're kind of dragging up behind. And then you've got you know retired individuals that have all the time in the world to train, and they're they're in the top contenders. So um, we made that change, and it's worked well. And we try to limit the wave sizes. You know, the first wave, of course, is popular. And we capped that at 400. So in itself, it's about its own event, but that helps really spread the riders out. That's still a crazy amount of people in one village. 
Yeah, it, it really does um, between the riders and volunteers, staff, and then just their family members. I mean, you're looking at almost doubling that population within the town there. So it's um, it's pretty amazing to see. And we are, uh, we count ourselves as very fortunate in that the city is fully on board with the event. They're, uh, they've been extremely supportive, uh, not only just in um, providing resources, but in really encouraging the event in the town. Uh, we actually, as far as I know, are one of the only events in the country, we have permanent street signage. And so it's, um, it's like they're like official MDOT is the organization, the Department of Transportation. They're official reflected street signs and they have metal poles and our 18, 36 and 62s are permanently marked. So oh, you can wow. just, yeah, you can just go down to the town with your bike and follow the street signs and do any one of those three routes. Oh my God, that's so cool. I'm only, I'm thinking about parking. Like, with that many cars, that many people. Yeah, so, so everybody knows that like that weekend, the town like shuts down. This is what's going on. Go out and cheer and. Yeah, it, it has, um, it certainly hasn't been without growing pain. So <laughs> if I'm uh, recalling correctly off the top of my head, the event moved into the town of Hastings in 2016, uh, based on we had just overgrown the state park that we were using. Mm -hmm. At that point, we were entering, you know, pushing 2000 riders and we were just beyond what that could handle. Right. And so that's where the relationship was, it began with the city of Hastings. Uh, Scott Tenkate and Rick Flight, they had reached out to the city, uh, kind of a relationship was built and they allowed us to use the city. And I think it was, it was a rude awakening for the people in the town, you know, of just what that what the implications are of having that many people there. But then fast forward a year or two, and um, I think once people saw the economic impact to a lot of the local businesses, you know, of course it sells out all the lodging within, I would say 45 minute radius of the area, uh, the local restaurants, uh, even convenience stores, you know, you get people coming to town and they're buying junk food to put in their pockets and they're buying gas. Uh, some some businesses will report receiving nearly a you know two to three months worth of income in just that long weekend. So it, it truly has a big uh, symbiotic impact. You know we we try our best to limit our intrusion into the city and and they do have good infrastructure for you know as you mentioned parking. There's city lots. Uh, there's a lot of street side parking. We have pretty wide avenues to work with. And then, you know, of course, we encourage carpooling and things of that nature. So I think a lot of people have kind of figured out, especially with time slots, you know, coming and going, that there is a good balance there. What's the party like afterwards? Like you've got people rolling in like all afternoon. Yeah. So essentially, <laughs> you know, our, our 18 milers have traditionally gone off. Um, closer to 11 a.m., but the fastest ones are done in, in just under an hour. So the finishes really start around just before noon, and we have cutoffs around the 5 p.m. timeframe. So there's a five-hour five window where people are just streaming in steadily, and there's a lot of family members. And our main um, title sponsor, if you will, is Founders Brewing here in Michigan. 
they're located right in Grand Rapids. They're one of the world's largest craft breweries now at this point, but they have been a lifelong partner with the event. And so we actually bring in a semi trailer that is uh, full of kegs and we might go through maybe 50 to 60 kegs of beer. And that's served by a local nonprofit. And we have a giant after party zone, a full stage. And um, it's quite the, quite the after party. Wow. That's a, so obviously you have a lot of people filtering through. They don't, they don't stick around. So you don't necessarily have the, uh, like the, the amount of people you started with in the morning. That's, oh my gosh, that sounds like ridiculously fun. Now, the course, now you mentioned roads. So if I had a road bike, I could still do it, right? Like the more the, the hundred miles, more the, I would say like off-roading gravel type bike for that. But you can ride anything for the first three events? Well, you theoretically could. We do have people yeah. that have ridden them on road bikes, some of the top mm -hmm. contenders in the past, but the gravel bike or a cyclocross bike is definitely the weapon of choice because they right. all, all of them have dirt roads. Um, okay. There's, there's not much tarmac or pavement in any of the courses. Really, you just start out out of town with roughly two miles of pavement and you end with that. Okay. And there's a couple connecting sections, but it is primarily dirt roads. Okay. Okay, so those are just connector roads because you you mentioned like some of the main roads that you closed down for it. So they're just like bringing people from one one section to another. Yeah, yeah, I would say the composition average for those three shorter courses around eighty to ninety percent of dirt roads. So dirt roads, are they all on the same course, or all three courses different, or do they just all start? like they have the same start, but then they have different courses for each. Yeah, that last one. So um, we've, we've gotten away for some time now, um, we've gotten away from the 100K being two laps of the 36 mile. Yeah. They all have their own unique courses. The start area and the finish area remains the same for them. Mm -hmm. So really it's a giant kind of nesting puzzle, if you will, the, the 100 mile is quite a long, quite a long loop. They have terrain that's only in the hundred mile. And then they rejoin towards the end of their route with our 62 and 36 mile courses. Okay. And the 36 and 62 share a large portion, but the 62 has of course some additional terrain. Right. And the 18 has the, the least amount of shared terrain. Um, they, they head out on, you know, what all the three shorter courses do and then they cut back into town sooner. So we have um, we have some great maps and things on our website that are that make for a good visual of just what's going on there. Yeah, I can, um, I'm just visualizing it's it here. It's logistically challenging. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. So Matt, how long has this been going on? Like when was when did um, Barry Roubaix start? I don't know if you mentioned it earlier. Yeah, so 2009 was the first That's one. Fun. Okay. Uh, a couple hundred people. And um, now it uh, has grown to what it is today, 2022, um, closing on 4,000 riders. And so it's uh, been quite the growth, but it, yeah, I would kind of consider it in the U.S. to be one of the older original events of, of this specific nature. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been amazing to become a part of it from what 
um, Rick and Kathy built, and then Scott and Marnie joined them to help build to now what it is today. So since it's, it, it has a little bit of growth every, you know, since you came in, is there any more growth to come or is you're just going to work on what is there now and making that better and having more people involved? You know, one What's of the our, future? yeah, so one of our big, we've actually had kind of in the three to 4,000 range the past several years. Um, coming into the pandemic, actually, we had nearly 4,500 people either in the race or on wait lists. And then, of course, as we all know, that kind of took the steam out of everything. Mm-hmm. And so last year, we restricted it a bit, but we still had over 3,000 people signed up um, for 2021. Yeah. And just shy of 3,000 actually attending. Um, just with, I think, events nowadays, you do see more no-shows or or things of that nature, but our uh, our main goal is just to be to be cautious of maintaining the event experience for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, not just opening it up to an unrealistic amount of people and right. maybe sacrificing the event quality. Mm-hmm. So it's been about manageable growth of what's healthy for the city, what's best for the riders, also for our our staff. Um, Really, it's it's the four business partners that that run everything from the top, and we've just recently brought in some lead roles that we call them to help manage things like the course marking, um, volunteer coordinating because we have well over 400 volunteers to help. Um, and just a couple of years ago, that was all managed by just six of us, um, with a couple heavy lifters on the sidelines. So now we have people, we have a gentleman that manages the venue. Um, we have a couple that coordinate SAG because um, SAG and safety out on course is big to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a whole ham radio crew that is out there transmitting, um, communicating with police, communicating with local Jeep clubs. So there's a lot, a lot going oh, on. Very there. cool. That's very cool. So you're including the uh, the Jeep clubs, the the ATVs, and those type of organizations. Huge. Yeah, that's yeah. it's one of those things where you know we we started out just notifying a lot of groups. You know that these things are happening yeah. so that they don't get out on horseback and then they get shocked when there's bikers coming. You know it's not safe to have horse yeah. riders trying to navigate. And now it's turned to those groups. Um, they are actually involved in helping us. So uh, there's uh, the local trail riders association. They come out because they have a lot of pickups and they're able to help us uh, sag and haul people off the course. And uh, all of our volunteers, we uh, provide a donation per person to their organization. Mm-hmm. So for every person that serves a shift, we uh, write a check to their group. And some groups provide oh. 40 or 50 people. So it can be a great fundraiser for their groups. That's a really good idea. It, really uh, good idea. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it, it helps everybody because um, mm-hmm. we like to spread the wealth. We want to, you know, keep some of the funds that come into the event in the community as much as possible. And so these groups come out uh, like the Hastings women's social club, they provide uh, just tons of volunteers to help with our packet pickup. 30 to 40 women will come out every year and they, they know the drill. And by providing these donations, I think it incentivizes groups to return year after year. So mm-hmm. 
you know, it works good for everybody. We don't have to train lots of people. They know the drill yeah. and then they're happy to be there. You know, it's not like we're asking them to do something for us the whole day and then give them a pat on the back. So yeah, or a free meal. Yeah, but precisely. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of like our, well, I have a women's cycling club and part of the membership is 10 hours of volunteering and then they'll get $50 back. And that's how I have a cycling event. It's not like that. It's just a time trial, but it's an extra event that's on the calendar that wasn't there. And it's just to, you know, to, it's, yeah, it's a nice addition. I'm looking at actually adding a gravel race to that weekend but it's, it's two totally different things. But in any case, it's nice because our event runs so smoothly because of the volunteering from the club. You know, you volunteer there, you get your total 10 hours, you get your $50 back. And, um, and it just runs like so smoothly, but it's not an organization like yours, but it might be one day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I think, you know, I think that's a great way to, to do things like that because it's, it can be tough to get volunteers for events and things of that nature. You know, a lot of people want to do the events themselves. So I think kind of creating that culture where, you know, people think of instead of doing 10 out of 10 events, maybe I do nine out of 10 and I help out with one um, is a great way, I think, to just continue to grow the cycling community and to foster that culture. So that's very cool. There's so many people that so many organizations struggle with volunteering. I'm like, why not make them give them money back to volunteer, you know, and and then it just incentivizes them to do it. So and it also makes it easier for for you to get things done because, you know, you can rely on a said group of people to show up. And it's not like a stressor of having to, you know, beg people to to volunteer because it's, it's the biggest it's the it's the one thing that can really ruin your event is yeah. is having uh no volunteers not as enough people don't show up but that's amazing matt so um is there anything else that we should know about your event like you said you're almost sold out you're at like 3600 so everybody who's listening here better register now and how much is it by the way uh we try to keep it reasonable so it starts out when registration opens uh the shorter three distances are 65 dollars us and the 100 miler i believe this year we did start it at 80 dollars us uh, we wow. charge a little bit more for that one yeah. um and then we do a tiered pricing so instead of you know specific dates where price goes up we try to incentivize people to register early by volume so for every thousand riders the price does go up five dollars um, and the 18 mile we keep at a, at a reduced price just to, you know, if there's beginners or people looking to join our event, we don't want to price them out of that. Right. And it's something we try to be very conscious of is, um, you know, a big part of the event, even though it's one of the largest in the world, is just to also be friendly to all levels of cyclists, um, encourage people to come that, you know, we get anywhere from 20 to 30% riders come to do our ride every year that have never done it. Um, and so I think that, you know, speaks volumes to you know, providing a comfortable atmosphere for riders. And then also a world-class finish line too, with we fully gate the finish for around a quarter of a mile 
So there's a good 400 to 600 meter fully fenced shoot. It's all bannered and we have a big finish arch. You know, so when people come through, there's hundreds, if not thousands of people that are there cheering, they're excited. Um, so they can finish to that and then they round the corner, they park their bike and they can have a cold beverage of their choice and enjoy some food and, and some camaraderie. So yeah, cold bevy. That's always worth racing for. Oh yeah. Finish and here's your beer and <laughs> there's the food. <laughs> yeah, you gotta have those things, especially, you know somebody's out there and they get a good bonk and then they show up hangry you don't want them you know having to wait an hour to get something so that's all right the burger's over there exactly. <laughs> wow this is amazing oh my gosh there's so many great events that i'm discovering doing this series um so i don't know if you're aware but uh on the podcast for the month of january i decided to reach out to as many events as i could to get on the podcast because everybody starts if you haven't already figured out your season in November, if you're an organizer like me, then you're starting to look at what to do this year. And yeah. I want to like showcase different events across the globe that, you know, are doable, even if you want to travel um, and make it part of a, in a vacation. But uh, even for myself, maybe it's just a selfish thing that I want to do. I want to find out as many, find as many as I can. And and be able be the one to answer ask all the questions but um it is just so amazing that you happen to be <laughs> the organizer of this event that i was looking at and trying to reach out to somebody to uh to have on my podcast so it worked out and i hope this helps launch more people get more eyeballs on you fill up those 400 spots and um so matt where can everybody find you and register so you can find us at bearroubet.com. And, uh, you know, if you, if you look up that, like, Paris-Roubaix, Roubaix is spelled just the same. Barry is B-A-R-R-Y. And you can use a hyphen or not. Either one is fine. We own both domains. You can find <laughs> us on uh, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram, um, any of those locations. We don't do Twitter, but my wife does a fantastic job. She's our creative that handles our website. So you can thank her for all the amazing uh, information that's on there. You can find GPS routes. You can find okay. um, our registration link. We host through Bike Reg, which is pretty standard program here. Cool. And um, yeah, on Instagram, you can find all kinds of fun anecdotes. She does great GIF images of you know people riding or crashing or things <laughs> happening. Uh, so we try to keep a very fun vibe. You know, we talk a lot about people just joining us for the first time. Um, but there's there's everybody there from people that have never ridden a bike more than five miles to professionals that have raced in the world tour and they're joining us for the 100K. So something for everybody. Love it. I love it. And thank you again. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Um, hope this piqued your interest. And don't forget to follow uh, Matt and Barry Roubaix on Instagram and our podcast Secrets from the Saddle podcast on Instagram and myself uh, Sylvie Doe underscore cyclist and Matt can they follow you? Yeah you can find me on Instagram uh, my handle would be attacker acker uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a name that was given to me a long time ago in road racing because oh I, uh, I was always on attack whether it was a road <laughs> racer criterium 
Um, and also, if you look at my name, Matt Acker, if you take the M off, it's attacker. So, oh. <laughs> so you know, play on, play on words, but you can find me on there. And um, I share a lot of, you know, cycling related. Like you mentioned, I, I travel all over to race. So yeah, um, I love sharing experiences from events, not only just in the U.S., but over in Europe or um, down in Mexico or even Canada, although it's been a few years. So. Yeah, really. Eh? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much again. It's been an absolute pleasure and a great, um, you know, just a blessing that uh, this happened. So thank you so much, Matt. Yeah, of course, Sylvie. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.